third and final hour on a Tuesday afternoon where it's nice outside. I mean, it's nice as 75, but considering with all the snow that is uh, coming, oh, goody, once again, it's not bad today. Tim Miller joined us before. I have uh, read Tim's work for a long time, watched his work. I think the guy's really good. He is smart. He is funny. Uh, and novel concept, he tells the truth. Tim, uh, longtime Republican, <clears throat> prominent positions, part of the McCain campaign in 08, press secretary for John Huntsman in 12, joined the Romney campaign once he won the nomination, was a part of Jeb Bush's campaign as a senior advisor in 2015, and then Tim observed Donald John Trump and started being a part of groups to point out the nonsense that Trump was a part of. Continues to do that. He has left the Republican Party, but he's prominent a number of places. I read his work, The Bulwark, a lot of good stuff with The Bulwark. You've seen contributing on TV in a number of outlets, including another very good show, uh, The Circus, Inside the Greatest Political Show on Earth. And Tim is with us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. A lot of topics to discuss. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. Let's start with CPAC. You were there. I want to get you back and forth with Carrie Lake at some point. But outside of DeSantis, the Republican big knockers were there. The main names were there, including the 45th president of the United States. From afar, Tim, it just didn't seem to have the juice. The crowds um, were down. Uh Trump seemed tired, but the nonsense, the just uh, the bizarre comments were still there. How did this CPAC compare with others? And what does it say about the next uh, 18 months as we look ahead of the campaign? Yeah, well, thank you for that uh, kind intro. I'm blushing out here. Um, I appreciate the kind words about, about my work, doing my best. Uh, look, CPAC was. Uh, interesting. I, I definitely think it's fair to say that it's lost some of its juice. Um, uh, there was my friend Rick Wilson compared it to, you know, one of these Newton stars that's that's shrinking. It's just as hot as ever, but the star is shrinking, the size of the star. Yeah. And, and I think that was an apt analogy. Um, uh, here's the, the big question, though, is, is that uh, was the crowd, was the crowd size of the energy shrinking because People are ready to some of the MAGA, some of the Republican base voters are ready to turn the channel off at the Trump show. Or was it shrinking because kind of the whole party is CPAC now? And back when I was going with Jeb in 2016, it was the one big confab a year. And nowadays you've got a million uh, things like this. And there are a lot of different opportunities if you're a MAGA uh, activist and you want to go to an event that's not just the only one and so you know maybe there's just a bunch of different channels that you can turn to so I, I don't think we'll really know until we get into primary season next year just how tired Republican voters are of, of Trump and his antics but but definitely in this one weekend it didn't seem quite as raucous as it had in its glory days had a little bit of a fat Elvis vibe. What did you think about DeSantis decision to not go to hobnob with some of the more high rollers out um, yeah. in California. I think it made sense. Look, DeSantis is trying to position himself as the big fish that can challenge Trump. And so you don't want to go on stage 
and you know be one of the 20 different Miss Americas that are that are competing uh you know to be second chair to Donald Trump right um and so i think that he is you know, he launched his book last week he had his own platform for that for for a book launch he had a lot of opportunity to do media which he did so i think he sees himself as um you know maybe uh, offering a, a separate path from Trump rather than having to play second fiddle to him at CPAC, which he absolutely would have. He finished a distant second on the straw poll. So I, I don't know that there's much to look into that. I think that, that DeSantis is definitely planning on running. Eventually, he's going to have to go toe-to-toe with Trump. I think he's delaying that as long as possible uh, for some reasons that are obvious. And, um, and, and, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. I want to ask you about uh, DeSantis and Pompeo. Excuse sure. me, in this way, because Pompeo is going to run and DeSantis is going to run, and it's just a matter of time. Pompeo is becoming more prominent in his criticism of his former boss. Now, I know we had 16 individuals who challenged Trump, and at various times they were all confident that they could stand up to him, and they did. Trump won. I mean, he right. he beat them all. For me... I think there's something different about the confidence that DeSantis and Pompeo in particular have in their belief that they can expose Trump when they're on stage with him. Now, I can make the sports argument that Mike Tyson used to say all the time, yeah, everybody's got a plan until I punch him in the face. So maybe they all have a plan until Trump goes you know, one of his typical <laughs> rants, and, and they will. But do you think it's different for those two in particular and how they feel and how they feel they can expose Trump if it's a smaller group and they're a part of it? Yeah. Well, look, uh, anybody who has the cojones to go up and try to punch Trump in the face, you know, he handles it, I'm for. So, you know, I, I think that, that for too long, Republicans have shied away from that. Um, and, and, and the only way to beat somebody is through them. I mean, I guess you can keep crossing your fingers and hoping yeah. he just dies or disappears, but it's been eight years now, that strategy, and it hadn't worked. So uh, if, 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 if Pompeo wants to try that, I'm for it. Uh, I, personally, I'm skeptical that he's capable of that. I mean, he, he has stepped up his criticisms, but he doesn't really seem to say Trump's name. You know, it, it, they seem to be kind of weak punches to me. Um, and and I, and I think that DeSant, or excuse me, that Pompeo is a man that's outside of his time a little bit. And I think that he's a, a Bush era Republican, and, and I think the party is looking for a MAGA Trump era Republican. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm skeptical that, that he's going to be able to do it. DeSantis, on the other hand, is a MAGA Republican um, in spirit and in policy. Uh, and so you know, I think that he's got a good story to tell, and, and you can already see him kind of dipping his toe in the water about basically arguing that. That you know he's a more effective person than Trump, and that you know Trump said mm-hmm. he was MAGA, but he didn't build the wall, and he didn't do all the stuff he didn't do. Um, so can Trump? Can just now the question for DeSantis is, can he do a toe to toe on stage? And I went to see him in Florida for the circus last week, and uh, you know the guy doesn't really have a ton of stage presence, and he's going up against an all time apex predator who was on network TV. You know uh, it's hard to compete with that uh, when you're a dorky Ivy League politician type, right? So uh, we'll see whether he's capable of that. I think DeSantis has a better is better positioned though than Pompeo. You know, if if he's up for it, um, you know, when the, when the bright lights are on. So let's stay with that part because I keep making that point to friends of mine who are just convinced that DeSantis is 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 a a Reaganite. And I'm like, calm down. Remind folks we're talking to to Tim Miller. You can follow Tim on uh, Twitter at Tim. 
ODC. You can read him at the Bulwark. You see him on the circus. You can read his book, Why We Did It. I think that's such a great point on DeSantis. He's had a ton of success in Florida. And as a congressman, he was nondescript. And Trump did elevate him. Trump is right about that. But he's so controlling. His press secretary is, as you know, um, the most outspoken press secretary I've ever seen in my life, right? So they're just so picking and choosing. And all of a sudden, Tim, when he's got to go to Iowa, New Hampshire, get on stage with Trump multiple times, I still have no idea how he's going to hold up. And anybody projecting that he's just going to walk through Trump, I think you're a bit you're projecting and you're a bit naive about the star that Trump still is. He's not what he was in 15 and 16, but still with about 30 to 35 percent, they'll walk through fire for the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two points to that. One on just DeSantis ideology. Uh, Maybe it was Reaganite at one point, but um, and surely he has some more classically conservative training than Trump did, you know, who was like basically a New York liberal who just like started faking it um, and and switched to the Republican yeah. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump hasn't read any lock, you know, for forget William F. Buckley. Right. Yeah, so DeSantis right. has some of that conservative grounding. But, but but if you look at the way he's positioned himself, um, you know, he's positioned himself basically as an agriculture warrior. Uh, you know, there's no there's no conservative grounding in, in attacking and, and specifically targeting one company because they exercise the right to freedom of speech in a way you didn't like. Right. There's no conservative grounding. And like back in when Jeb was running, it was like this idea that that the state government or federal government would tell local school districts what they were allowed to teach and not teach was anathema. Our Common Core was this big thing that conservatives were outraged about. Well, now here's DeSantis putting in patriotic Common Core, right? Demand the state demanding what teachers could teach. That uh, so so he he has caught on to this more MAGA culture warrior element, and I think that that is what is going to animate his campaign. Now, can he do that on stage next to the guy that originated it? I think it's a question. I think maybe I, I, I don't. The people who say that Trump is dead and DeSantis is definitely going to run over him. I think that that's naive. The people who say that DeSantis can definitely do it. I, I think that, you know, uh, or excuse me, that Trump's definitely going to crush him. I think that's naive, too. I, you know, I think DeSantis has some good mm-hmm. arguments yep. that he can make from the Trump's right on, on, on that. Not that I agree with, by the way, but on coronavirus, on immigration, that, that Trump didn't go MAGA hard enough. Right. Uh, and, and so I think that that could be a compelling argument that could work for him and, and it will remain to be seen. But but I think that his pivot away from Reaganism towards MAGAism is what makes him viable. If, if, he, if he ran as an old school Reagan classically liberal conservative, he, I mean, he would be Nikki Haley. He wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. We've got about three minutes left. I encourage people to, yeah. to go find the circus on Showtime where Tim just exposes Carrie Lake, where, again, it's, well, we got the proof, we got the proof. And you're you're right. You're like, where is the proof? She lost in court. She she lost. It's it's similar to carry to to Donald Trump and all of his losses. But I want to finish in talking about Tucker Carlson and yeah. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, gives Carlson access to behind the scenes footage of January sixth, and he rolls it out, and the MAGA uh, crowd is just aroused. They're just they're frothing. Look at what we've seen. I think it's pretty interesting today the number of Republican senators who've called it out, basically said it's BS. The Capitol Police have called it out. The Sicknick family 
has called yeah. it out. I mean, considering what's come out in depositions about Tucker Carlson's credibility, as if we were surprised by this, by the way. If you're going to view this as great journalism, Tim, I live in a suburb in Minneapolis. I'm going to tell people if they believe this is great journalism. I have the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean in my backyard, and I'd like to sell in my house. Um, yeah, look, it's morally and ethically repulsive to try to rewrite the history of January 6th. So just on the merits, what Kevin McCarthy did is, is just horrific. I feel for the Sicknick family and all these folks. Like, why? Why do we want to try to relitigate this? We all saw what happened. Okay, We all saw it. This is like right after the loss of the Confederacy, how you, they immediately – started trying to, you know, rehabilitate what the war was really about, the lost cause. How we all know what January 6th was and what it was about. Yes. So, like, let's not insult our intelligence. The political part of it, though, is what I find the most perplexing, is that this is just a massive political loser for Kevin McCarthy. I mean, you're in suburban Minneapolis, but this is swing in swing America. We just yep. saw this in the midterms. Right. Like, a lot of folks wanted to vote for Republicans because they're upset with Democrats about crime and certain other issues. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but, but they sure. looked at them and they're like, you guys are crazy. You, you guys have lost your mind. I, I can't vote yes. for Carrie Lake. I can't vote for people that were sympathetic with the people that stormed the Capitol or the people that are on the side of the Capitol stormers. So why would Kevin McCarthy, after experiencing that in the midterms, think, you know what, the right thing to do is let's relitigate January 6th again. Let's get all of my members of Congress speaking about, about how the people that are in jail are, are, are wrongly being per- persecuted. I mean, I, this is a, just an idiotic political move that he that he made in order to protect his right flank that he can That's stay it. speaker. And I think it's really going to harm harm uh, harm, you know, the party standing in, in the short term, for sure. Let's not forget part of what Kevin McCarthy said on January 6th itself. The violence, destruction and chaos we saw today was unacceptable, undemocratic and un-American. And then he's trying to put out this sanitized version. That's what uh, happened. He was there. We know what happened. We don't need exactly. a, we don't need a, Tucker Carlson to try to spin a false history. Tim, great stuff. Thanks so much. We'll reach out again. Thanks, brother. Tim Miller, the bulwark. Uh, Tim ODC and a part of the circus, the greatest show on earth. Okay, we like to mix and match. Miller was excellent. We need to get him on more often. We don't do a lot of the days, do we, Harrigan, where it's blank day, you know? Like, Heinze is the utmost. A little bit, right? Yeah, our big national days. Sure, yeah, we, we yep. stay away from that. It's National Serial Day. Oh. Now, I saw a story where they listed the five greatest serials of all time. Give me the greatest serial of all time. In your opinion, Dave Harrigan, I'll give it. I'll give you the list. And you, through a text, you can only have one cereal just today. Not for the rest of your life. That's a different one. But you can, you're, you're going to have cereal today. You're going to have cereal during this break. What is the one cereal you would have on National Cereal Day? And if it turns out it was National Cereal Day 10 days ago, whatever. I saw it today. No, I, th- I think it is today. What is the greatest cereal of all time? 651-461-9226. Have I asked you the music theme yet today? You have not. How about I ask you now at 228? I assume you've probably picked up on it. Mm-hmm. 
We're going all join it. All James Brown today. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what I'm calling an act of God. He's back? No, he's not. He's uh, oh. still not with us. He's oh. probably very entertaining, I would imagine, up there. Yeah. Well, I think there was like a huge controversy, too, about his will, right? Wouldn't be surprising. Probably Pretty a lot, sure. lot going on in that will, I imagine. A guy as successful as James Brown was. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I. Uh, the reason is, this morning, I uh, I had to set an alarm to wake up. I rarely have to do that now. Usually Whoa. My wife's alarm will go off or my body clock will just wake me up around 6, 6.30 or the kids will be up. So rarely have to do it. But I had to get up extra early this morning. So I set For the, the show? Uh, you are yes. more work for the show. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. That's exactly the reason. 100%. I was really dialed in to your needs this morning. <clears throat> well, not really dialed in, i to be honest. So at 5.30 this morning, my Ooh. alarm goes off on my phone. And I'd forgotten a couple of years ago, I had set an option on my phone that you can just like select a, a genre of music via Spotify and it would play a tune from that genre. And the last one I must have selected was, you know, Motown or Funk or something like that. And imagine your phone on full volume at 5.30 in the morning, waking out of a dead sleep to this. I've never been more scared in my life to hear James Brown Brown screaming at the bedside (laughs) as my wife yelled at me, what is going on? So, an act of God not gives us James she, Brown. Not the first time she started that phrase in bed with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Stepped into that one. That's why we have James uh, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're playing James Brown today because of what was a nightmare. Well, I mean, let's get up off of that thing. That's hardly a nightmare, but <laughs> no. I, I wasn't expecting that at 530. But you said you were terrified. For a moment, yes. Then I realized uh, what was going on. <laughs> so we're going to take a break here because the clock management is so bad. We're going to get to the serial topic where we're not going to screw up the clock management. Or I'm not going to screw up the clock management Thank you. anymore. I continue. Now, I've said before on dreams, more often than not, I don't remember them. I've remembered some dreams lately. But the dream that keeps happening for me, I'm... Calling games again. I've mentioned I, I thoroughly enjoyed the talk show side of my life that I've been able to do this so long. But just to be honest, I like the play by play job better. Um, the Wolves job is my favorite job ever, you know, and I quit for the right reasons because of Quentin's health and what was going on in my life. Uh, but I still miss it in some ways. But the dream I keep having, Harrigan, and it's most of the time the Wolves. This time, it's a Viking game. And we have decided out of nowhere, here at CCO, at the mothership, we're going to carry a game, and we're going to take on the fan. And I'm right next to my boy, PA. And I know none of the players. And PA's my guy, so he's trying to help me. Like, like he's calling it. Then Bursich is talking, and he's trying to tell me who the players are. And I have no idea who any player is, and I keep having a play-by-play dream about once a month 
where I'm back calling games and I never know what's I, 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 I've never prepared. I know you're not the, the doctor of dreams. What the hell is going on? Sounds to me like a vision of what's ahead for the purple next year. We're going to be seeing a lot of no names yes. on the field that we probably shouldn't Fair. know their names. Fair. I, 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 that's true. Just to start. What about me and continually calling games and never having any idea who's on the floor? <laughs> so it's the, it's the same for your Wolves dreams then? You just, yes. You don't. Wow. I don't. And it's not like it's cat or ant. It's like, I don't know, Fred, your neighbor's playing. <laughs> And more often than not, I'm by myself. One of the recent ones, I was with Pete. And Pete's just looking at me going, how do you not know these guys? And I'm like, I don't know. But like this one, I mean, like PA and I are right next to each other. And, you know, he's, he's loose. And then, you know, he's telling me, that's so-and-so. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's your mind telling you you need to work harder at your job. Be more prepared. I walked into that one, didn't I? Well, I'm going to the Wolves game tonight. Q and I are going. I think I recognize the players out there. So you're waking up to James Brown. I'm waking up to who the hell is on the floor, and I think I'm still calling games. That's all right. Hey, I I saw Jim Peets on the radio call here. He is on the radio. How about that? You'll hear him right here with with, uh, with Alan. Yeah. So you'll hear Jim Pete. Screwing up Alan Horton's call tonight. <laughs> now, Jim, so Jim and I worked together. I'm, I was trying to remember. Did we work four years on the radio or three years on the radio? So we worked two. God, I'm screwing up the clock management anyway, right? Um, I'll give a little dirt here. What the heck? We worked two, and they offered us the TV gig. And it was really awkward because <clears throat> they were letting Trent go. And I was good friends with Trent, but Jim was even better friends with Trent. And so it was awkward. And then uh, we agreed. And my stipulation was I still wanted to call the playoff game. So we were going to get switched back and do the playoff games on radio. So we agreed, but then Sean Grandy threatened to sue the team because he said his contract was different. So that's when Jim and I split. He worked with Grandy for a couple of years and came back. I don't remember if it was a year or two. So Jim's worked with before. They'll be great together. And Alan does it solo. The thing I remind people, Jim was our first analyst in, when did Jim start, 98 or 99? So neither I or Kevin had, a, had an analyst until Jim. So Alan knows what it's like to work with somebody. So they'll be very good. I think it's, an, I think it's a 632 start tonight. So check out the Wolves and the Sixers. I'm going. So the big lug, Joel Embiid, I need you on the floor. Joel, I need to see you. Harden, eh, I don't really need to see you. I want to see Joel out there. Can he call Doc Rivers make sure that happens? We'll, make a, we'll send a note over there. Yeah, they played last night, and Joel was great. The greatest cereal of all time. The one on this list is a strong contender. What do you got? We're back in moments on. CCO. I'm doing some very solid chair dancing. I think as a chair dancer, I'm like a seven. If it's in a crowded dance floor, I'm like a four. When it's space, that's when I get exposed. 
chair dancing, it's nice. It can it keeps you tight, right? You can't get too wild on the chair. Yes, yes. Uh, the hip swiveling during the luau was not very impressive. I got to be honest. <laughs> Thanks for coming clean on that. It's not. I mean, considering I was having a tough time getting the poncho on, probably <laughs> told you. I mean, trust me, the hips work in other areas, but yeah, there wasn't that great with the Lua. Okay, so here's the list on National Serial Day from uh, studyfinds.org. I mean, we got studies. They're number one. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go number five. Let's go, let's go reverse to the top. What do you think about that, Harrigan? I like that. I like that. Leave me a little bit of suspense. Yes, leaving a little bit of suspense. Uh, unfortunately, this thing is really taking a long time uh, <laughs> to go to the bottom. Where's the Viagra of getting this list to go a little quicker? All right, number five on this list. Uh, excellent pick. Excellent pick. I'm going to give this a B plus. Honey Nut Cheerios. Very good. Nothing wrong with the Honey Nut Cheerios. Number four is disgusting. It's a bottom feeder. At Gitmo, they won't eat this. Raisin Bran. Get out of there with Raisin Bran. Honestly. What do you normally eat? Cardboard if you have Raisin Bran this high? Again, your hatred towards raisins is really unfounded. It's the truth. It's a failed food with bran. Okay, raisins are bad enough than bran. Oh, you know what? I'd like some bran. (laughs) Nobody says that. (laughs) No one. No one. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You like bran? I got to go. Now, number three is one of two. Because it lists two, and I think the, the list is dubious because of it. Captain Crunch slash Captain Crunch Berries. Okay, the captain on his own, Hall of Famer. Captain Crunch berries? No, I love my berries. I don't want them berry flavor in my cereal. Do you? Fruit flavored cereal in general is a train wreck of taste. It's Thanks. gross. Fruit Loops, Thanks. Tricks, Crunch berries, all of it. Just ugh. Thank you. There's another one that's just give me a little flavor. Frosted Flakes. Kind of bland, right? Yeah, not big on the frost. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. Number one is a very good one. And if somebody told me this is number one on the list, I'd, I'd say solid pick. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And the guys, I mean, they look good too. So what are your thoughts on Cinnamon Toast Crunch? I, You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to guess that's your number one. No. It is not my number one. I'd say Whoa. it's... Uh, I'd put it on the border of top five. I, I could argue it either way, but it's not my number one. Would you like to say your number one, or would you like me to say number one, or should I? We should we go to the uh, textures? Let's go to the textures first. Powdered crunch cereal. What the hell is that? Powdered crunch. It sounds like something you'd get up on Lake Wobegon, or that maybe in the eighties in South Florida. Raisin <laughs> brand crunch. That's oh that's a high contender. Are Ra- you kidding me? No, raisin brand crunch. Raisin brand by itself is fine. You add in the crunchy honey cut honey coated granola clusters, it brings it up several notches. It's really good. Okay. 
here's what you do. You put it on the table. You, you pour it all out on the table. You save the good part that you mentioned, and you throw the rest in the garbage. What's happened to you? There's benefits. Keeps you regular. regular. Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem. Always regular. Frosted mini-wheats. No, no, get out of here. Ugh. Get out of here. Cornflakes with sliced bananas. Okay, get out of there. This is my father. And I know others. I'm not like he was the only one. He's the only one. Actual fruit that gets soggy in milk. Who hurt you? That's just, that's just a terrible take. Cornflakes is the cereal. Whether you like it with strawberries, bananas, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's like saying Honey Nut Cheers with a slice of chocolate cake on the side. Well, of course that's no, no, the no. best cereal. No, 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 no. Many people put the sliced bananas or the berries in the cereal itself. Well, that's ridiculous. I, I, I agree I with you there. I agree with you, but I'm saying even saying putting something like that on the list, saying cornflakes with the caveat of adding banana, well, then your cereal is terrible. Yeah, I, I, you know, I like banana. I like my berries. I don't like them soggy. I don't like them soggy. Uh, someone has fruity pebbles. Second, no. get that out of here. Oh. Get out of here. Mike's saying cereal is overrated. Give me bacon and eggs. Where are you on that uh, important question? Overrated, underrated, properly rated. For cereal is properly rated. We concur. Peanut butter, Captain Crunch. How about that one? I'm not a big Captain Crunch guy in general. Doesn't Don't really like do authority a lot. figures. Nah, well, the Captain, yeah, I got some issues with him. Believe me, there's men in uniforms, plenty of issues. But no, nah, it's just <laughs> uh, that's another one that it gets you stuck in your teeth. It tears your mouth a little bit. No, I I don't need the Captain. Okay, so here, if I would have one cereal today, it's not my all timer, but today I'm a special K with almonds. Might be because of my guy Greg Kelser too. The, the he carried magic. Special K, Greg Kelser. I love some Special K with almonds. I probably only have cereal. I probably buy three boxes a year. Do you buy cereal much? Uh, the kids like it, so we do have usually a box of, you know, a healthier two cereal in there in the house every once. Well, we have it normally, but I only eat it a couple times a month. When I get it though, boom! It's every day till it's gone. <laughs> But the all-time winner, and let's end the contest, Lucky Charms. I mean, come on. Lucky Charms. And by the way, you would separate and leave the charms until the end. That's it. That's number one. It's top five, but it's not number one. Place is criticizing our list. Okay. I've never felt so good about our list. <laughs> Who's number one? Blois is going to be the one to come out with an authoritative list and put things like oatmeal as a cereal. Yes, exactly. Waffles. Yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. Uh, my top, oh, man, I already mentioned Raisin Bran Crunch. I do really like. Uh, a sleeper on the sweeter side, Golden Grams. I loved those as a kid. Yeah, they're pretty good. I yeah. agree. Still good. But honestly, you're going to call me boring, I know, but. It's plain old regular Cheerios. I love oh, them so God. much. Seriously. They're so good. What? Only a gram of sugar. They're flavorless. 
delightful. The flavor is delight. That's what it is. Let's go meet a person who has no personality and is dull. That's who Cheerios are. <laughs> the person you're avoiding at the party and you keep running into him or her. You know, you know what they call Cheerios. Dead to me. Hit the button. Linda's construction time check. It's time for me to stop talking. Have about and make sure your insulation is what you need. Here he is. Courtside. Jason DeRussia, massive show coming up. What do you got? I'm just still in shock that your favorite cereal is from Kellogg's in Battle Creek, Michigan. Why do you hate the whole? We have two cereal manufacturers here. What's wrong with you? I'm Mr. Ohio and Michigan. Those are the states that win. Mr. Minnesota is next. See ya.